What's going on, guys? In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about some unfortunate, well, some of these guys are also fortunate, but some unfortunate fantasy players that I did suggest that we draft, all of us, myself included, that is, and I have several shares of uh, some of these guys in across multiple leagues in some cases, and I'm going to discuss really what we should do with them now, you know, because I think now we are right in the middle of the season, we've kind of... Um, if someone has tried to show you who they are for half a season, I think in some cases, in many cases, you know, you should probably start to believe them, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm kind of a believer in Jamar Chase now in terms of being like a legit wide receiver one every week, every week going forward even. You know, I, I think that uh, I'll talk about him later, but the whole point here is I want to talk about some what to do withs, if that makes any sense. Okay. First guy. I want to talk about, and not all these are going to be, you know, doom and gloom. Some of them are going to be optimistic, and some of, I'm also going to talk about some guys that maybe we should be buying on as well. Uh, first guy that I want to talk about is Miles Sanders. So right now he's injured, okay, week to week with an ankle injury. That means he could play as early as this week, okay. Let me tell you the positives on Miles Sanders. He's averaging 4.8 yards a carry in the season. He has averaged four yards a carry or more in six of the seven games he's played in. Only, ironically enough, only the Kansas City game was he under. And in that one, he was like under two yards of carry. So he's been largely effective um, on in terms of like, you know, workload by snap percentage. On the season, he's playing 61% of the snaps. But let me read you because I think it does it more, even more justice. His week to week snap counts. Week one, it was 66%, then 67%, then 60 then 64 then 75 then 83%. And then, of course, last week he got hurt against the Raiders, and so his snap total dipped down to 17%. But if you look at the previous two weeks, 75%, 83% of the snaps, and I think they were even featuring him and Gainwell both on the field at some times because that's all that Gainwell was at, like 23 and 25% snaps in those two weeks. So, um, anyways, I think that uh, – Miles Sanders has been disappointing because we've only seen him carry the ball 10 or more times in three of seven games. Okay. Now, as I mentioned, he was hurt last week, so we can't hold that against them. But there were, there was a game against Dallas, right? Where it wasn't a blowout until late. And Miles Sanders had two carries in the game for 27 yards. So he's averaging 13 and a half yards a carry. And like Dallas is an off, I mean, sorry, Dallas is a defense that if you were to draw up any competent offensive mind were to draw up, how do we want to attack Dallas? It would be big boy football, you know, get physical and play downhill against them, you know, and then off of that, some play action stuff. And maybe then you can get some deep shots down the football field because they have some guys in the secondary that at times will, will be a little leaky. And so I think that the Eagles whole mindset in that game and and this is really i guess i have to put it on sirianni because who else am i going to put it on it was to just spread them out and throw like I, I don't understand it i don't and it's been that way in a few games this year the way that i look at this is simple okay miles sanders is okay he's going to be back at some point probably pretty soon two three weeks at the most i would say and i'm not a doctor i'm just going by week to week and he's possible for this week so to me that's encouraging news right I think that as the weather gets colder, as we we continue to see Jalen Hurts struggle in a role that shows Jalen Hurts trying to, you know, 
Jalen Hurts as a passer trying to really carry this team, I think that it'll be the answer will become more and more obvious that, hey, maybe we should run the football more. And I think that Miles Sanders, especially looking at the last two weeks, not this past week, but the two before that, 70, 80% of the snaps, he's their guy, right? He is their guy. It just so happens that Gainwell has gotten in the end zone a couple times and Sanders hasn't. So that's kind of the most discouraging part. But Gainwell hasn't had 10 carries in any game this season. You know, he's been an effective best ball player, I guess you could say, if, if that's kind of like, if that's what you're playing. But he hasn't been, and I mean, now all bets are off if Sanders is out this week. I think game will be a solid start in any format. But the point I'm making is Gainwell has been good at times, right? Gainwell has been used in certain situations that as a Miles Sanders owner, you, you get a little frustrated, right? You, you're kind of like, wait, what's, why is he in and not Sanders? But largely Sanders has been on, on the field a whole lot more than Gainwell has. So if the weather gets colder, which we know it will, that's just a fact, right? Um, and the Eagles, as many teams will do, start to run the ball a little bit more. I think Sanders could be a guy that uh, is starting to – I think he'll have a strong finish to the season. I really do, barring his health, of course. So what would I do with him? I'd hold him. If you have him, I'd hold him. If you don't have him, I'm not necessarily going to say you should be buying on him because it's not like you know that much of a certainty. But I think that if you have him – you shouldn't sell him because what you'll get for him right now is a whole lot of nothing. And if you don't have him and you need some help at running back and you want to buy someone for a relatively cheap price tag because you cannot pay anything near what you would have spent the fourth round pick of your fantasy draft on at this point, then I think that it would be an okay idea. Like if you were to give you know a, a matchup-based flex play or even a low-end flex option on a, a weekly basis – for Sanders right now, I'd be in favor of that, but I don't think that, um, you know, I wouldn't be like going out of my way to buy on him. If, if I can do so again at a cheap price, I'm all for it. But I think the, and if you have him, I'm holding him. I'm not, I'm not selling low on Miles Sanders right now because I think that it's very likely that again, as long as he's healthy and this by all indications, he will be back soon, sooner than later. I think he'll be touching the ball, I would say 15 to 17 times a game over the final five or six games. So I think that he can become a low to maybe even mid range RB two for you over the, over the playoff run at the bare minimum, you know? So I think that is encouraging. So yeah, that's my thoughts on uh Miles Sanders. Number two, here's Allen Robinson. This has been tough guys. It's been very tough to watch. Allen Robinson after seven games has a season high of 53 yards. Okay. Look, I really liked Justin Fields. I said many times that even though he was my QB4, and a lot of people took offense to that, I, I said many times in almost any draft, Justin Fields is the guy that you can spend a top five pick on. And that was my my take on him, okay? Not a number one overall pick, but a top five pick, you know? And, and maybe even in some drafts, a number one overall pick, like maybe this year. I heard that the quarterbacks this year aren't that great. The point is, I thought he would be more ready. Because if you spend a top five pick on a guy that's playing in the way that Justin Fields is playing, there is no if ends, or buts about it. You're disappointed. He has not been playing well. To me, it's very clear that the game at times is way too fast for him. You know, like adjusting protections at the line of scrimmage. I'm not sure if that's his, his uh, primary responsibility. It may be on the center there. But 
it's not looking like something that he's able to pick up in terms of uh you know in terms of like post snap or or pre snap or whatever he's he's had some issues with that and I think Tampa just kept blitzing him last week just to you know to make him do something he wasn't good at and that's how NFL defense coordinators are going to attack these young guys when they find something that you're not good good at and you're a quarterback especially they're going to make you deal with it as much as humanly possible so I'm saying all this to say this in week one the game that Andy Dalton started and finished, the only game that Andy Dalton started and finished this year, we saw Allen Robinson in a very tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. We saw him targeted 11 times. Okay. Again, that was a tough matchup. He caught six for 35 yards, I believe it was. And, you know, so it's not like I'm saying he, he went crazy. The next week, he caught a touchdown from Andy Dalton. Okay. Since then, it's been all Justin Fields, right? And I think that... I could make the case that Chicago's offense would be better off and and Allen Robinson, maybe even especially Allen Robinson, would be better off with Andy Dalton playing. However, and here's the sort of, you know, unfortunate part about this. I think the ownership has stepped in in Chicago and just said, Nagy, we want the kid playing. The fans were clamoring. And this is the, uh, you know, the, the toughest part about this. The fans were so adamant that it's fields now, right? Like it, 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 and even more so than what we've seen in San Francisco, it was just like, we do not want to see Andy Dalton on the field. We want our new shiny toy. The guy we, we traded up to get in the first round. We want him on the field playing quarterback. And at this point, I feel like, and I'm no Matt Nagy defender, but I feel like he had a, a reason for not wanting the kid on the field. And it wasn't because he hated him. <laughs> you know what I mean? He drafted him. I mean, so when you think of it that way, it's a tough spot to be in if you're Matt Nagy, right? Because you don't think the I think in Matt Nagy's heart of hearts, he does not think Justin Fields should be out there playing quarterback right now. I think he thinks it should be Andy Dalton because he thinks that they are a much better offense, a much better football team with Andy Dalton playing quarterback. And right now, based on the little sample size we saw of Dalton and based on now what we've seen of Fields over the last, what, four and a half games or whatever it's been, he might be right, right? And, and would Fields be doing better if he were in San Francisco right now and he was getting the, you know, he was starting all the games he was starting for the 49ers? I think so. But I don't know how much better. I think a lot of it falls on him just not being quite ready, you know? And that's something that I think we as the draft community in terms of media, fans, I think we, we overestimated his NFL readiness, to a certain extent, I think the NFL, at least to this point in the season, has been more so proven right about, you know, what, where, where they kind of had fields in the pecking order there. But um, anyways, what should we do with Robinson? Well, I think that at this point, you should probably, I guess, number one, uh, you know, dream scenario would be that you hope that the Bears trade him. I mean, I saw somebody the other day talking about him going to the Chiefs. I love that idea. I, I, I love the idea of Allen Robinson going to, uh, you know, maybe even the Packers, whatever. It's not going to happen. Obviously, it's in division. But the point is, if Allen Robinson goes somewhere else, and right now he's on a franchise tag, so it's not like the craziest, most lucrative contract. And if the Bears were to trade him, they'd save everything from here on out in terms of per game uh, prorated, whatever. It's like $15 million prorated, you know, weekly. Uh, so they'd say whatever that is for the remainder of the season, about a million bucks a game, 
a little less. But so it makes sense for them. But I think if you're Chicago, you're thinking that's the last thing we're going to do if we're going to if we have to start fields, right? Why would we want to take away his most talented weapon? The Bear fans are already saying that he has nothing to work with there, which I don't I don't necessarily agree with. I think I think there's some talented guys in that offense. Darnell Mooney's an awesome player. Cole Komet's a decent tight end right now and maybe even a really good one later and then Allen Robinson is still a very good wide receiver I mean I don't think Allen Robinson has fallen off a cliff but by any means but I think what we should do with him right now is probably hold him hope for a trade would be number one don't start him um I think that if you need to like this really depends on what your roster is looking like you can trade him and you're gonna have to package him and blank for, I don't know, some Saquon Barkley or whatever, like him and a, a, a high-end running back of yours. For, for I think that would be my goal with him. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of what I'm looking to do. I'm hoping that Allen Robinson somehow can get more involved. But again, after that week one 11 target game, his most targets have been seven. And he hasn't had a game over 53 yards. So it's been rough. Like I, that's why I say I don't think you can justify starting him. I think that maybe just I think maybe just cutting your losses and trading him. Maybe wait a week. I don't know when your trade deadline is, but maybe wait wait a week or two or whatever it is, and then just offload him for whatever you can. I think that your best bet is for, especially because he still has name value, right? Is for like I don't know a low end RB one, let's just say, and then. Allen Robinson for a top five running back, right? Particularly Jonathan Taylor, maybe. Um, and then maybe even like a Saquon Barkley, because I think that might be a trade that even if you have like a low end RB2 and Allen Robinson, you might be able to get Saquon just because the Saquon owner may be thinking, hey, I don't know about his health, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's where I'm at with A Rob. I'm kind of willing to just go ahead and cut my losses now because I don't know, man. I just don't know if it's going to get any better. Okay, the third guy I want to talk about is Brandon Ayuk. So week three gave us hope with Brandon. You know, a very talented player, first-round pick last year, the 49ers. Four catches for 37 yards and a touchdown in week three. And since then, he's went back down to what is what has become the unfortunate reality so far of the 2021 season. He's only caught four passes since then, zero touchdowns. Let me just remind you guys, because I think you're thinking, why did I draft Ayuk so high? Why didn't I draft Debo Samuel? Last year, Brandon Ayuk had a six-game stretch, and it was down the stretch, week seven through 15. He missed two games in that in that time. But in those six games, he was averaging seven and a half receptions for 95 yards and nearly a touchdown per game. So that's why you drafted him. You didn't make a bad decision. He has somehow pissed off Kyle Shanahan. You know, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. It's a bad year for Kyle Shanahan, in my opinion. And I said it to my buddy the other day in the DMs. Uh, I'm low-key worried about Trey Lance. Like, is, is Trey Lance going to piss off Shanahan and Shanahan just going to blackball him? Like, because, and I think I may have even said that yesterday in the pod. But the point is, this is concerning. Like, Trey Sermon, in the last game he was he saw any type of real workload in, had like 19 for 94, you know? It's a pretty damn good game. Brandon Ayuk was awesome last year. He has not been utilized at all. 
would I dump him right now? Because you're not going to be able to, I mean, if you can trade him more power to you, but I, I don't think, I think, and here's the craziest part. I want to give him one more week. I just want to see one more week because they just had their bye week. Okay. Debo Samuel was saying, Hey, we might see an Ayuk uh, breakout game after the bye because he's had a great week of practice. And here's the thing that game, if anybody watched it, of course you would know it wasn't the best game in terms of a, you know, conditions, right? It's very wet, sloppy game. Give him one more week. If he does, if he has another dud of a performance, cut him before the fourth quarter. I don't care. Just, just let's just see what happens. Not not before the fourth quarter. We'll cut him after the game. But let's just see what happens and um, hold him for one more week at this point. It's not going to hurt you. And if he has another dud of a game, just cut him. If you can trade him and if you can include him in a package, great. But I think most likely, you, you know, depending on how competitive your league is, you're just going to have to cut him. So, again, I'd give him one more week and then cut him. I started to talk about this guy a second ago, Trey Sermon. He had exactly 19 for 89 a couple weeks ago against Seattle. Uh, he has had one carry for seven yards since then. I'm going to make this quick. He's droppable. And he's not droppable because he stinks, okay? He is a very talented player, and he was tailor-made, in my opinion, for this offense. Elijah Mitchell may be a little bit better right now. Who knows? Um but one thing that I do know for sure is that Kyle Shanahan prefers Elijah Mitchell. So if you spent, if you blew your wad on Mitchell, congratulations to you. Cause I think you got the bell cow back of a very good, what should be a very good 49ers rushing attack from here on out. So I'll, uh, I'll eat the crow on that one. But again, it's not because I think that he's a more talented player than sermon. It's because sermon pissed in Kyle Shanahan's Wheaties for, you know, I mean, that's just my only assumption I can make. So, uh, it is what it is, but yeah, he's droppable. Let's just go ahead and move on. That's, that's that one frustrates me. You know, the IU thing, it, that frustrates me too. But the sermon one is like, I was so excited for this guy. You traded up in the third round to get him. That means the word intent aligned with his abilities. He was a polished running back in terms of like a four-year guy, I think maybe even like a five-year guy in college, or if that's even possible. But he played a whole lot of college football, was great at the Senior Bowl, and it all made sense for a big-time rookie season. And then we got Kyle Shanahan. So it is what it is. But yeah, I think you can go ahead and cut Trey Sermon. I have him, and I'll probably cut him as soon as I finish recording this episode. Um, all right. I would buy Saquon Barkley, guys. I've mentioned a few times, you know, uh, before or during this podcast already, but I would buy Saquon if you can. And I would do so, I would do so with packaging someone like an Allen Robinson. You know, I don't love the idea of selling a Miles Sanders right now for Saquon. And of course it would take more than that. I'm not saying it wouldn't, but I think that like a package deal with Miles Sanders and, and just the right kind of, you know, RB2 or whatever, or, or whatever it is, wide receiver two, for Saquon Barkley, if, if the Saquon owner is decent at running back and has a glaring hole at receiver, I think maybe there's an opportunity there for you to go like a Miles Sanders and, you know, some type of wide receiver two for Saquon. I think that's a possibility because the Saquon owner might be panicking at this point. Like, hey, this guy's never going to play again. He's never going to be elite again. He's only had really that one super flash game against the Saints where he dominated in the overtime and, and late in that ballgame. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that for the right price, I'm definitely looking to buy on Saquon Barkley right now because I think he's going to come back in the next week or two and I think he's going to be really good. I just, I just feel like Saquon Barkley cannot go out like this, meaning 
he can't go the remain you know uh, the remainder almost of his rookie contract and just be the guy that's off the field with injury and when he's on the field very inefficient not after the way he started not after the talent he possesses not after the second overall spot that he was used to you know on in terms of where he was drafted um in the real draft i just think that we need to we need to I don't know. I, I feel like Saquon's a guy you should be buying low on. That's all I'll say. Um, I'm either buying low or I'm definitely holding Kenny Galladay. I think that, you know, over his last two games before this injury against Dallas, he he uh, he caught 10 for 180. I think that he's only went below 63 yards one time this season. Okay, so it, it, it hasn't been doom and gloom. I know I know when you look at the giant situation, right, with you got Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, you got a bunch of guys there. Dante Pettis starting to play well. Um, even uh, what's his name? Darius Slayton had a pretty decent game last week. When Kenny got when Kenny Galladay steps back on that field, he's gonna average 17 plus yards per reception, and he's gonna catch four to eight passes every game. Okay, I, I just think that. He's the most talented guy there. And if he's not more talented than Tony, he's more physically imposing. So let me just rephrase that. He's the most physically potentially dominant guy there from just what he can do, what he provides, what he brings to the table physically, you know? So I think that there's always going to be a role there. I think that he's going to have an insanely positive touchdown regression over the final, I don't know, five, six games, whatever it is, four games of the season. And I'd be buying low on him because right now, especially while he's technically injured and might not play this week or whatever and has missed the last couple games, I think that he's a guy that you may be able to get for cheaper than you think. I mean, shit, offer Allen Robinson for him. I, I don't know. They might go for it, right? Especially if the guy's a Bears fan in your league. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that I'm I'm at least holding Galladay, but I'm also very much um, willing to buy at the right price on him as well. Let's talk about Jamar Chase real quick. I'm holding on Jamar Chase. Mostly. Let me give you an example of when I wouldn't have held. Uh, a friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, hey, he sent me the roster of, of his roster, and he sent me his uh, friend's roster, and he said, I, wanna, I want to uh, I want to acquire Jamar Chase. And I said, okay. And I looked at his roster, and I was like, dude, the only thing you could have, or the only thing you have that maybe you could offer that he would accept is Tyreek Hill, and I wouldn't do that. You know, I, I wouldn't trade right now Tyree Kill for Jamar Chase. So then he tells me later on, he goes, hey, um, I offered that guy, not not in an official offer, but he wanted to see what the guy would say. So he sent him a message and said, hey, would you take Tyree Kill for Jamar Chase? The guy said no. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think of that, because to me, that sounds crazy. Like you wouldn't tra- if you have Jamar Chase right now, a guy you drafted in the seventh round. And I know ADP at this point doesn't mean a whole lot. But you wouldn't trade him for Jamar. I mean, I'm sorry, for Tyreek Hill? Because I would. Okay, so that's what I mean when I say I like and I say I'd mostly hold on Jamar Chase. I don't like the idea, and I told my friend this, I wouldn't trade Tyreek Hill for Jamar Chase. Because here's the thing. Tyreek Hill has not been exactly what, what we've hoped for, even though he's been awesome overall, right? He he's kind of um had some inconsistent moments, right? Jamar Chase has not. Jamar Chase, in many occasions, has been 
other than, of course, last week was a different story, but he's been kind of low volume for a wide receiver one and also very much a um, a guy that if I if you told me, hey, I think Jamar Chase might have touchdown sustainability that's you know slightly difficult, I would agree with that, right? Because it's like he catches four passes and one of them is a touchdown, you know, and that's that's difficult because that long touchdown he had against the Ravens last week, I, know, I think any Baltimore Ravens defender that was in on that play will tell you that's got to be a tackle, you know, um, and no matter how good you are, the defense there has to get you down in that situation. So I think, you know, if you look at stuff with a little bit more of a realistic approach in terms of what we should expect moving forward and the keyword there being expect, I think Jamar Chase could, you know, have a higher volume, lower touchdown rate, you know, role for the rest of the season. I think that's possible. I think that if defenses opposing defenses weren't treating him as the bona fide wide receiver one in Cincy before they most certainly are now, you know what I mean? And I think that that might, make things just a little bit more difficult on him, which might create some inconsistencies. But again, I was wrong on Jamar Chase. He is their wide receiver one, no doubt about it. He's a guy that I pretty much wouldn't sell right now unless someone's offering me Tyreek Hill, unless someone's offering me, you know, Jonathan Taylor, let's say. It's someone I'm really high on from now the rest of the season. You know, someone if they're offering me something like that, I think I'm I'm interested and I might do it. But in all likelihood, I'm holding Jamar Chase. Okay, he is a, an awesome player, much more explosive than I thought he was, and um, yeah, he's the wide receiver one in Cincy. You know that about it. Some guys that I would not trade on under almost any circumstances. Some other guys, I guess, are uh, as I just mentioned, Jonathan Taylor. I just think that he's. He's been able to sustain RB1 production, especially over the last, what, four or five games, whatever it's been, with a relatively low snap percentage. I I don't think he's had a 20-carry game this season. As the weather gets colder, he will undoubtedly have many, in my opinion, 20-carry games. I would almost take, if I had the right odds on this, I would almost take a bet saying Jonathan Taylor has more 20-carry games then he doesn't from now till the rest of the season. And if, it, if I wouldn't take that bet now, I would take it in two weeks for sure. You know, I just think that, that those games are coming for him. He is such a good runner of the football between the ta- – he is, he is the perfect combination of patient uh, with just great vision, instincts for the position, explosiveness, contact balance. I mean, he's, he's literally got everything. I mean, he to me is a – and this is kind of a – bold statement, right? Because a lot of people, I compared him in some ways to Saquon Barkley coming out. I don't think he's as explosive as Saquon, but I think he's got better vision. And I think, I don't know, I think he might be just a little bit better of a tackle box runner than Saquon Barkley is. He's not the receiver, of course, you know, and he's not, as I mentioned, quite the athlete, quite the explosion. He doesn't have quite the explosion, but I think that in some ways he's a better runner, a little bit better, nothing crazy, but I think he's a little better runner than Saquon right now. And of course he's been healthy. So that's huge. And as I mentioned, they've been able to keep him fresh because he hasn't even carried the ball 20 times in a game this year. And he's been playing a very low by his talent level, you know, standards. He's been playing a relatively low number of snaps. So um, also I want to say it's 
disappointing for Cardinals fans because J.J. Watt's just been deemed probably out for the year. With uh, He's got to have shoulder surgery, so he's probably going to be gone for the season. That's very unfortunate for them. And it's not – I'm not trying to – you know, I told you so in this moment, but I, I will say he had been productive, but he hadn't – even if he was to sustain what he's done all year and not be injured now – I don't think he would justify the the payday that he got, especially the percentage of guaranteed money because he signed a two-year deal in Arizona. I can't remember the exact terms, but I do remember that it was a deal that his effective contract was fully guaranteed, meaning like if you were to cut him after this season, you'd still be paying him quite a bit of money for next year. So it almost wouldn't make sense to cut him, that kind of thing. So um I think J.J. Watt's one of the very best defenders I've ever watched. And I think for Cardinals fans, this was an important loss for you guys because he is playing well. Um, I just think that, you know, I wouldn't say he was playing well enough to justify the payment uh, given. But in any case, very difficult loss for Cardinals. Uh, for a Cardinals defense that's playing very well. Again, they're tied with the Bills for allowing the fewest points per game in the NFL right now. So. That's unfortunate. But anyways, guys, that's going to do it for this podcast. I hope you're enjoying them. Uh, Leave a review if you're listening on Apple. If you haven't made it over to the YouTube channel yet, we're doing some content there with a good friend of mine, Josh. And uh, go subscribe there if you would. And I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Peace.